Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. In this week's message by Pastor Tom Hughes, we continue in our study of the book of Daniel. We see King Nebuchadnezzar has constructed a large golden image and has ordered all to bow down and worship it. But not everyone does. What happens to the three who refuse? Let's find out. So we're in the book of Daniel. We've been with Daniel. Uh, We left off. Daniel uh, interpreted the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. We looked at the kingdom of the Antichrist. Uh, We looked at the kingdoms of the former Roman Empire and uh, the east leg and the west leg. And uh, we left off there with where is the Antichrist going to come from. And uh, Daniel is very powerful and very insightful. And tonight we get insight to uh, a few different things. One of them, I believe, is the way things are going to work out for us as we get closer and closer to the end. We also get some strength tonight. Because uh, we need it. You get to Daniel chapter 3 and you realize, you know, sometimes it feels like we're thrown into the fire. And how do you deal with that? So we get both of these things as we go through this tonight. But again, Daniel reminds us of the prophecies regarding the time when Jesus comes back. So we look at some things that are going on today. We're going to be here in Daniel 3 in a minute with the rebellion against the government. And um, how do you deal with that? Uh, what do you do? When the government says, hey, I want you to do this, or I want you to do that. We're going to get there in just a few minutes. And with that, this will help us to get started. George Soros gives Planned Parenthood, Virginia, its largest outside contribution ever. What a surprise. George Soros involved with something like that. Are you surprised? How many of you are surprised? <laughs> Me neither. Th- then there's this. This didn't make much, get much attention. Uh, 79 confirmed cases of Legionnaire's disease now reported in an outbreak linked to North Carolina State Fair. It was about a week and a half ago. Um, There are so many different pestilence problems that are incubating all over the planet. And you don't hear much about it all in the mainstream media, but the CDC and the World Health Organization, they both are reporting these things, a warning of these things. And Jesus said, as we get closer and closer to the end, these pestilences are going to be a problem so when i see things like this it's just a reminder jesus said these things are going to be devastating in the last days so these are signs again this is in light of signs of his coming again Uh, then there is this beijing launches new rule residents must pass facial recognition tests to surf the internet you hear about this okay so you know about the social credit in china right So the Chinese regime announced a new rule which requires residents to pass a facial recognition test in order to apply for internet connection through your smartphone or computer. The rule will be implemented on December 1st, 2019. That's coming up really, really fast. The MIIT, which is the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, published the new rule on its official website and distributed it to all telecom carriers on September 27th, which was just a little over a week ago, which includes a few main requests. First, all telecom carriers must use facial recognition to test whether an applicant who applies for internet connection is the owner of the ID that they use, and whether or not uh, the carriers must test that the ID is genuine and valid. Uh, second, all telecom carriers must upgrade their servers Uh, services terms and conditions 
and notify all their customers that they are not allowed to transfer or resell their cell phone SIM card, a SIM card to another person by the end of November, so just about you know, five, six weeks away. Third, telecom carriers should help their customers to check whether there are cell phone or landline numbers that don't belong to them but registered to other names. So it sounds all harmless, but this goes on to say the purpose of this, and this is a quote from Tang Jiang, uh, which is a U.S.-based commentator. It says in this quote, the reason why the Chinese regime asks people to register their real identities to surf the Internet is because it wants to control people's speech. Authorities arrested hundreds of Chinese people in recent years because they posted a topic that the regime deemed sensitive, including the most recent Hong Kong protest. Uh, uh, continuing to quote him, MIIT's new rule of, on using facial recognition to identify an Internet user means the government can easily track their online activities, including their social media posts and websites they visit. Then these people become scared of sharing their real opinions online because their comments could anger the authorities and they could be arrested for it. As <coughs> you're thinking of these things, Tang concluded, MIIT's new rule takes away freedom of speech from Chinese people completely. And so, you know, you look at these kinds of things, and I've been warning for a long time now that what is happening in China is going to be is this type of system, but it's going to be much more refined by the time it enters into what is coming with the, the, um, the, the, the global government that's coming and the kingdom of the Antichrist. I know that because of what the Bible says. And right now, this is all being tested and used in China to control the people. But again, we think of the mark of the beast. Uh, it's coming. If no one can buy or sell unless they receive the mark of the beast. There must be some type of social credit system. Uh, by the way, um, I, uh, um, in speaking to the high schoolers here at our church this Wednesday night on technology and the mark of the beast, so pray for that. That's going to be pretty exciting. None of you are allowed to attend. These are high schoolers. You get, if you're here on Sunday nights, you already get these things, all right? But pray for that. I'm excited for whoever the high schoolers are that show up. Uh, smart cities are creating a mass surveillance nightmare. Uh, this is just going to increase more and more and more as we see the day approaching. The kingdom that Daniel wrote about when he interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, that final kingdom with the ten toes, partly strong and partly weak, is that kingdom that's going to have to have this massive surveillance again in order to control the masses of people. Uh, then there's this. Let's shift over to Israel. Nasrallah, the leader of Hezbollah, says, we are prepared to enter occupied Palestine. So this is Hezbollah coming down from Lebanon saying we're going to go into the, the West Bank. You already got Hamas in the West Bank. Uh, listen, I know how this ends. It's, it's going to end up uh, ultimately with the Lord, he's on the throne, and uh, Israel's, Israel's never going to be eliminated. You know that? Israel's never going to be eliminated. They're going to go through some trials, they'll never be eliminated. But speaking of trials, this comes from the times of Israel. Israel and Gulf states are working on historic pacts to end the conflict between them. Israel is reportedly negotiating with several Gulf states on a non-aggression pact between them as they face off against an increasingly emboldened Iran. 
The deal was Channel 12 News described this Channel 12 in Israel as potentially historic, aims to put an end to the state of conflict between the Gulf states and Israel and reportedly provides for friendly relations, cooperation in a variety of fields, and no war incitement against each other. This is, this is really incredible when you think about this. Um, Isaiah prophesies about Israel entering into an agreement to avoid a scourge that's coming against them. We talked about that before. That agreement is the pact with the Antichrist. Um, but could the scourge actually be the threat of Iran coming against them? So Israel enters into a, a, a greater agreement with its neighbors and maybe the UN to avoid the scourge of Iran coming against them. I don't know, but it's interesting to see how these things are all working out and how Israel is also on friendly terms with Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Jordan which, by the way, is also prophetic because in the last days, we know that these are the people, that the territories that do not side with the Antichrist. And we know for a fact from the Bible that Egypt and Jordan and other territories that were part of the former Assyrian kingdom of hundreds of years ago, uh, three millennia ago, uh, they also come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ during the last days. So it's really interesting to watch these things develop. But let's think about this. Damon Duck wrote this. He, he uh, published uh, some things that, uh, to uh, uh, bring to our attention. And he does this all the time, usually a couple times a week. And uh, there's a lot on here. There's like 25, but I'm only going to read to you five of them. Um, he says, we are told that some of the Jewish rabbis have reminded President Trump that many U.S. presidents have been concerned about their legacy. These rabbis said the greatest thing that President Trump can do to establish his legacy is to make it possible for Israel to rebuild the temple. So you think of the rebuilding of the temple, and uh, hey, Trump, you want to have a really, you really want to make something great? You really want to make a deal? Help us build the temple. Fascinating, isn't it? Just as we look at the political situation. Another thing he said is common knowledge that the Temple Institute has rebuilt all of the clothing, music, instruments, etc., for use at the temple, but they have not rebuilt the Ark of the Covenant. They haven't rebuilt the Ark of the Covenant because they say they know where it is. Have you ever thought about that? Has anybody in here ever visited the Temple Institute in Jerusalem? One, anybody else? Two, well, I know you have, Andrea. A few of you have. Um, it's pretty cool. So you see these things, and they've developed all these things, but not the Ark of the Covenant because they're saying, we don't need to. We already got it. Um, What's his name? The Raiders of the Lost Ark guy. What was his name? Indiana Jones. Not him. No, he didn't go hide it somewhere. <clears throat> you see, he goes on and says, the Jews have made a replica of the tabernacle, and if they can get government approval, they are ready to start the animal sacrifices on the Temple Mount with or without ashes of the first nine red heifers. Interesting, because you all hear about the, them needing the, the ashes of the red heifer to start things. So, Hey, we're ready to start them even if we don't get the red heifer. Uh, uh, this one, uh, how many of you are familiar with the red heifer and the needing of the red heifer for cleansing? That's most of you. So for those of you who don't, the red heifer is prescribed in the law for the temple services, the, the sacrifices. The ashes of the red heifer cleanse the, cleanse the altar for that purpose. And it uh, seems every couple of years a story comes out, hey, they found a perfect red heifer, and then uh, they found a white hair on it. So it disqualifies it, Right? Listen, if I was one of those guys, I'd pluck that white hair before any of my friends looked. And I'd say, let's just get this thing. Or, or I'd paint it red or something. 
On September 22, think back about a week and a half, two weeks, President Trump's special envoy to the Middle East, Jason Greenblatt, was in Israel to discuss President Trump's peace proposal. Mr. Greenblatt said the election turmoil in Israel has fundamentally changed things on the ground, so the publication of President Trump's deal of the century will be significantly delayed. And then he writes this, I would love to hear President Trump say it's permanently delayed and the U.S. will throw its full support behind Israel. Uh, that would be great for his legacy. I look at that and I think the same thing. Here's the problem with Trump's peace plan. God says, I will judge any nation that divides my land. The peace, these peace plans are all about dividing the land of Israel. I, don't want, I wonder if Trump wouldn't have so many problems if he would just bless Israel instead of trying to divide them at the same time. You, know, you kind of look at that and you go, maybe, maybe, maybe it would be a really good idea. I'll back off on the dividing thing. I'll bless Israel, but I'm not going to go and push this peace plan anymore. I want to make the greatest deal of the century. Well, I back off of that one because I know what the Bible says about that one. And ultimately, an Antichrist is going to bring that deal about. Last thing, on September 21st, it was reported that Syria had sent tanks, vehicles, troops, ammunition, and heavy weapons to areas near her border with Israel on the Golan Heights for unspecified reasons. At some point, war will break out, and God told us how it's going to end. You look at that, and you think, old, uh, in Syria, eventually Damascus is going to be destroyed by what appears to be uh, the Israeli military, and it's going to be a nasty war. Damascus will be destroyed in the night. We know these things because what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us ahead of time when it comes to the prophecies, how things are going to go down. So we have this instruction manual. And with that, in Daniel, as we look at Daniel, let's go here, Daniel chapter 3, and we have this rebellion against the government. How's it work out for you and I? How did it work out back then? As we see things coming, how's it work out for you and I? They had their threats. What do they do about it? We're going to experience certain threats. Um, what do you do about it? Right? So let's look at this. Daniel chapter 3, beginning in <clears throat> verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather uh, together the satraps, administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuch King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, uh, the symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and tongues, fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Let's stop here. We know not everybody bowed down to this, right? You know, this goes, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But let's note a couple of things here. The first thing we note is the construction of this image. It's 
size, we note A, the size of the image, is 60 by 6 cubits. Uh, it would be about 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. This would be really tall, and uh, it would be really skinny also. Um, regarding uh, this image, uh, Heslop notes, on the plains of Dura there stands today, in, in verse 1, this is what it says here, King Nebuchadnezzar set up this statue in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Heslop notes, on the plain of Dura there stands today a, rectil, a rectilinear mound, about 20 feet high, an exact square of about 46 at the base, resembling something, uh, resembling the pedestal, excuse me, of a colossal statue. Interesting. So what would the statue look like? Uh, probably something like that. You see the base of it, you see this giant gold statue. Notice the statue is all gold. Uh, I find this just fascinating. And Nebuchadnezzar was told he is the, he, he's, remember the dream he had? He was told by Daniel, Daniel, uh, or Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar seems to, oh yeah? Well, I'm all the gold and my kingdom's never going to end. Anyways, he makes a statue of gold, uh, commands that everybody bows down and worships it. Now what does this statue remind you of? Anything? Does it not? Does it not remind you of anything? Uh, let's just say, uh, uh, I'm just thinking, it's, I, I find it interesting. Nebuchadnezzar made the statue of gold for himself. I, I look at certain award ceremonies that are in the world, and it just seems like people have award ceremonies to bring their friends and tell each other how wonderful they are. I'm just saying, Nebuchadnezzar, things have never changed. Nebuchadnezzar did this a long, long time ago. This type of thing is still done today. So we have the size of the image. It's uh, 60 by 6 cubits or 90 by 9 feet. Really tall, uh, really thin. Uh, we also have the shimmer of the image. Please excuse me for that, but I had to come up with an S to match size. So I had to come up with something. You got shimmer, right? It's shimmering. Uh, you follow me. Just work with me on it. Give, give, listen, give me some grace. You try to come up with these things all the time. See how it goes for you. You'll, you'll be shi shivering. Um, yeah, it's gold. A likely overlaid, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's wood with overlaid gold. Um, that's how statues were built at that time. In fact, if you were to build a statue like that even now, it would just be uh, ridiculously expensive. So you have wood overlaid with this gold. As such, we can note a couple of things about Nebuchadnezzar and a man that does not bow down to God. What do we note? Uh, one, men think their kingdom will never end. Uh, many commentators guess, or they estimate that's probably, uh, it was probably about 20 years difference between chapter 2 and chapter 3. About 20 years before Nebuchadnezzar has the dream, Nebuchadnezzar is told by Daniel, you're the head of gold, after you another kingdom is coming, and then another and another. So 20 years goes by, and it seems Nebuchadnezzar is thinking, uh, my kingdom's never going to end. That was 20 years ago Daniel told me that, and I don't believe it. So he has this statue that is made all of gold. I, I just find it um, fascinating. It, it seems to be that he thinks, at one time he said, there's a God in heaven, Daniel. Only a God in heaven could reveal my dream to you. Eh, ah, nah, I don't believe it anymore. Time has passed. 
Uh, I was putting this together and came across this this week. Um, check this out. Trans faith takes over the church, transgender pastors and renaming uh, uh, ceremonies. Um, when men decide like Nebuchadnezzar, eh, I don't believe this God stuff. I, when I look at something like this, what could possibly possess a person to say, I'm going to be a pastor at a church, and I'm going to make sure this is in God's face, and this is what I'm going to do. I look at this as really a mockery of God. Now, some people actually believe, yeah, this really is God. Uh, the people leading it probably know it's an absolute farce. They hate any thought of God, hate the Bible or anything like that. And you look at this, but it's a reminder of the last days that, that people are going to raise up uh, the teachers they want, the ones that make them feel good, not teachers who are teaching the truth. That's speaking of churches, right? We also know in the last days, Peter writes, scoffers will come say, where's the promise of his coming? That's kind of where Nebuchadnezzar seems to be, at that scoffing place. I can't really believe God. Who else would do something like this unless you absolutely believe there's no accountability and there's no God in heaven that you're ever going to have to answer to? You look at a lot of the things that are happening in this world, you think, why would you do that unless you absolutely are like Nebuchadnezzar? You think, nah, nah, there's no God. I can't believe that God stuff. Um, so men think their kingdom will never end. Something else uh, we, we know and we learn from Nebuchadnezzar, we know it inside anyways, uh, men are more concerned about what is temporary. Again, the statue is made of wood, but it's overlaid with gold. Um, we're much more concerned naturally about the outward appearance than we are about what's going on on the inside. Outward, we shimmer. There it is, that word again, right? Uh, shiny, looking good. On the inside, we tend to fail to take care of it. Um, gold on the outside, well, the inner man is made of wood and is going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, Jesus says. A stubble is going to be burnt up. We need to be concerned. It's a reminder to store our treasure in heaven, and you can store your treasure in heaven in so many different ways. It's what's on the inside that counts. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Uh, so let's move on. We have the construction of the image. We have the instruction to worship the image. Worship is required by everyone. Verses 3, 4, and 5, the satraps, the administrators, uh, the governors, government employees, nobody is off the hook. Everyone of every race, tribe, tongue that dwells in the kingdom of Babylon is required to worship. Worship is required by everyone. Worship includes the death threat. If you do not worship, wow, verse 6, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace does this not project into the future of what is coming also we know from revelation chapter 13 right uh, when, when it comes to the kingdom that is coming kingdom of antichrist the tribulation period not receiving the mark of the beast the bible tells us this uh, it's, a, it's a death threat authority was given the antichrist over every tribe tongue and nation what just happened with nebuchadnezzar everyone in my kingdom every tribe nation tongue better bow down and worship it's, it's, he's like a prototype of the Antichrist and worshiping the image. What happens in Revelation chapter 13? There's an image that's made and everybody is required to worship that image. 
driven, by the way, by the false prophet, the religious leader. Authority was given him, this is still coming in the future with the Antichrist, authority is given the Antichrist over every tribe, tongue, and nation, and who, all who dwell on the earth and uh, will worship him, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast, and as many as would not worship the image of the beast, they would be killed. Um, I, this is controlling the people. I just read the article to you a few minutes ago about China, right? Your facial scan, your face ID, whether or not you can even log on to the internet or have your phone. Pretty crazy stuff, isn't it? So the threats are like that right now. Again, the social credit system in China. But what will technology develop into? Well, we have a little bit of insight. Here's this, artificial intelligence bias. How tech determines if you land a job or end up in jail. What this lets us know, the technology is available today and being advanced every day. Uh, and all the research and development departments. Uh, the technology to be able to implement a social credit system outside of China. Um, the tech giants, they already know they can do this. Whether or not a government is going to come along to say, yes, you're a valid person who is worthy of a job, or no, we have problems with you, and you are going to be arrested, and you are going to end up in jail. Artificial intelligence, the, the algorithms, and all the information that is, this is how it's going to be done. Uh, these computers are going to, they're going to act according to the way they're programmed to act. So if you have an opinion that differs from the coming government, then guess what? These computers are programmed to pick up your opinion and say, this person is a threat, therefore we need to do something about it. And I happen to know these things are already going on. I'll tell you about that in the future, uh, not tonight. But you look at these things and you go, this is the real stuff. You ready? Let's move on. Verse 8. Certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, uh, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. Whoever does not fall down and worship the image will be cast into the fiery furnace. Verse 12, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. You got some of these guys that you put over us? Uh, they're not bowing down. They're not listening to you. Sounds like they're a little bit jealous for one thing. But they're still pointing them out. Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? If you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, harp, lyre, psaltery, symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hand? Ha, 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 ha. I am the great Nebuchadnezzar. 
right? I mean, you know how this is going, don't you? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we don't serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Ouch! What do we have here? We have the rebellion against the king. Again, we go to the kingdom of the Antichrist. When it comes to that future kingdom that's coming, I believe in the not-too-distant future, people are going to be told, again, you bow down and you worship this image, it's going to go good for you. You do not, it's off with your head. But notice the strength of these three young men. They say, even if God doesn't save us, guess what? Even if we get thrown into the fire, guess what, Nebuchadnezzar? So be it, we will not worship false gods. That's going to be the threat against people in this coming kingdom. Um, they'll have to say, choose to worship the God of heaven and lose their life, or submit and worship the image of the Antichrist. Uh, uh, notice this, here in Nebuchadnezzar has commanded all to worship the image, and he is doing what politicians often do. Use religion to strengthen their political grip. It's been this way for hundreds, even thousands of years, as this goes back some 2,700 years ago, 2,500 years ago. You look at this and you go, man, check this out. In 1936, Herbalder von Schurach, who was the head of the youth program in Nazi Germany, said, one, cannot be a good German, and at the same time deny God. But an avowal of faith in the eternal Germany is an avowal of faith in eternal God. Whoever serves Adolf Hitler, the Fuhrer, serves Germany. Whoever serves Germany serves God. You see how that's twisted there? So, well, you love God. Well, and this is how it's going to be with Antichrist, too. This is how it was with Nebuchadnezzar. So the God here is really Germany. And by serving Germany, then you know you are right. If there's a God out there, you know you're right with him. This is what Nebuchadnezzar is going, you, you bow to this image, then you're right with the gods or God or whatever it is. If there's really a God out there, you'll be right by bowing to him. Antichrist, the same type of thing is going to come. Uh, another example comes from 1960 when the president of Ghana had a statue of himself set in front of the House of Parliament. An inscription on the side of the statue read, Seek ye first the political kingdom and all other things shall be added to you. So you see this. So it wasn't, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, he's like the leader of this kind of stuff. But this is the thing that affects men when they reject God. We see it happening in churches. We see it happening in the world. I know I bring this up a lot. I'm eventually going to get in trouble for this. But here's another God. It's the God of nature, right? World Council of Churches. This is off their own website. Care for creation and climate justice. Um, several years ago, I received in the mail here at this church a um, request of me to make sure that we start to, they didn't use the term of worship the creation, but it was, okay, let's start talking about climate and climate change 
Back then it was global warming. Remember when it was global warming? It's not global warming anymore because it's not always hot. Um, they're starting to figure that out. They have global warming conferences and snowstorms did. So now they've got to change it to climate change, right? We're watching it. Now when I mention this, people get really upset. You mean to tell me you're a denier? Listen, I mean to tell you that I'm not going to worship the creation. And in Romans chapter 1, the Bible talks about a generation that worships the creation rather than the creator. The creation becomes their God. Look at this, World Council of Churches. Here's this, churches supporting climate justice. So this is in the, see the picture in the bottom? I did a close-up for you. Uh, love your neighbor, care for your children, protect God's creation. Be the church. You know, you look at this mentality and the thought process that is sweeping through spiritual places. Timothy, Paul warned Timothy, said in the last days, 1 Timothy chapter 3, that people have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. It's going to be spiritual, but they're going to deny this. They're going to deny the truth. Listen, I look at these things as being warnings. And a lot of people say, I am part of the problem. And I guarantee you, I don't know when the rapture is going to happen. But if we're not raptured first, this is what's going to happen. Mark my words. You might think I'm a nut. You can say anything you want. People out there might get mad at me. But climate change laws, these laws are going to be used to put you into a database that shows you are a problem. People will be arrested for breaking climate change laws. And these climate change laws will be used. I've read them. I have them in one of my books. I have some of these things from Agenda 2030 that is coming. Don't you also find it interesting? I find this interesting. That you have Agenda 2030, this UN document. You have climate change laws in it. To bring all of the world into compliance to these laws where that determine where you can buy, uh, where you can live, where you can't live, the kind of food you're going to eat and all these kind of things. Uh, projected to 2030. And then you have politicians that say we've got 10 more years we've got till 2030 there's this voice everybody seems to have one narrative that goes this direction we've only got to 2030 kind of makes me wonder if satan knows he's looked at the bible and thought hmm about 2030 the rapture is going to happen i don't know but it kind of is weird isn't it that all these i'm just saying i don't want people saying oh pastor tom just said a date i did not look i hope for the rapture tonight before i'm done wouldn't that be nice that would be great. You wouldn't have to work tomorrow. And if you're like me, you don't have to worry about not being able to sleep at night. We'll be in heaven. It'll be great. But you look at that. And then we see these things. Over 50% of young Americans think climate change means the world is about to end. Um, this is because they're told this over and over and over and over again. I talk to high schoolers all the time. Pardon me? Oh. Thank you. I wasn't sure. I usually don't answer hecklers, but in this case, <laughs> in this case, we're good. <laughs> so you look at this, and, and I, but they're taught this in schools. Um, in in uh, Murrieta, just recently, um, kids were taught in one of the classrooms, I think it was junior high, I have, I have the email on it, um, that the world's going to end by 2030. That's, you, these things are in, this is what they're being taught. So when you look at this, it's all this programming, and I am watching more and more and more people getting so upset with you if, you're, if, if you say what I say right now, because I know it. You, know, you guys will face it too if you say it. 
I mean, I could talk about the rapture, and people are, they'll listen, they might just call me a nut. But if I say, look, this climate change stuff is going to be used to control you. Oh, you don't know, you're just part of the problem. It's going to happen. Uh, these things are happening just like that. Um, so let's move on. So anyway, same type of thing, right? These laws, Nebuchadnezzar, worship the image, all the stuff that's going this direction. Um, these men, think of this, they were small in number. Uh, there would have been hundreds of thousands of people in the kingdom of, of uh, Babylon. There would have been countless Jews that have been captured in Judah and brought over to Babylon. Well, a lot of Jews. Um, but out of all the Jews and, and the other people that were in the kingdom of Babylon, we only have the record of these three men that stood out, these three men that were faithful. It's a very small number. It's a reminder uh, that in the judgment of Noah, out of all the people that were on the planet, it was only Noah and his family that were saved. It's also a reminder that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many that go in by it. Um, and then Jesus went on and said, uh, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So it kind of gives us a picture of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There are pressures right now to, to, to not conform to this, but to conform to all of the stuff that is out there in the world as we head closer and closer in to that global uh, kingdom. Um, Luke chapter 18, Jesus said this, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Let me tell you something. The picture of the church during the last days is not a picture of a church that has revival and a great awakening. You know that? I talk to people all the time. They say, uh, there's going to be an awakening. There's going to be a revival. There might be. But if there is one before the rapture, that means Jesus isn't coming until after the next great revival or great awakening. Uh, because I know this, ultimately Jesus says, the Bible teaches this, in the last days, as we get closer and closer to the time of the end, there's going to be scoffers within the church. There's going to be people who are fake believers. They're, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. The Bible says there's going to be a great apostasy, people not believing the truth of the word. Uh, Jesus himself said, will he really find faith on the earth? So that's the picture that you actually have of the church. I know this is alarming. You do not have a picture of a great revival that takes place um, just before the rapture. The greatest revival, greatest awakening that's going to take place is going to take place during the tribulation period. That's where people are going to be coming to faith in unbelievable numbers. 144,000 Jewish people are going to get saved after the rapture. They're going to be proclaiming the gospel. And countless people will be coming out of, uh, being saved out of uh, the great tribulation uh, period. So you look at that and you think, man, I'm, I'm sorry if that bothers you. I still pray for a revival. I pray for an awakening all the time. And I pray along this lines now for this valley. And think, I don't know what the rest of the world is like, but for this valley, may Jesus send a great revival. May Jesus send a great awakening. Um, let's move on. So these men were small in number. These men stood for God under threat. Uh, we can imagine the enormous pressure that uh, there was to compromise. Everything in front of them. You have, they have the king in front of them. They have the fiery furnace in front of them. The music, their colleagues, their competitors, their own countrymen, the, the the other Jews, the peer pressure that would have been 
against them. You can imagine the other Jews say, come on, you guys. Why? Come on, it's not going to hurt anything. You'll save your life if you just bow to the image, and then we just go home, and we, 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 we celebrate the Shabbat or whatever. Just, just, just do it. Come on. Go, no, we're not going to do it. We are not going to compromise. God was more real to them than all of the threats that were coming against them. Charles Spurgeon said, do not judge the situation by the king's threat and by the heat of the burning fiery furnace, but by the everlasting God and the eternal life which awaits you. Men frown at you, but you can see God smiling on you, and so you are not moved. Amen? Listen, when it comes to you and I, think of it this way. Some Christians are only known for what they stand against, but often it's better to be known for what you stand for. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were known for. They were known for people who worshipped God. When you put God first, they didn't, they didn't point out the, their finger at, at the king. They didn't point their finger at the other administrators or anybody else. They didn't go around. Sometimes Christians just get hung up on pointing out everything that's wrong with everybody else. Don't, you don't have to do that. They just worshipped God and said, no, we're not going to bow to that. We worship the God of heaven. Leave it at that. And let God convict the people. Let God invade. Let God do what God is going to do. We live in difficult times. Uh, I came across this the other day. Dark trends in American society call for greater spiritual warfare. Listen, don't compromise. You press forward. You're only going to be stronger in the battle as you don't bow to the pressures of the enemy Instead, you bow only to the Lord Jesus Christ. You do what is right, and you stand up for the things that you're supposed to stand up for. Amen? Amen. Uh, these men were small in number. They stood for God. These men rested in God's will. I'll try to get through this uh, a little bit faster here. Uh, verse 14, while Nebuchadnezzar is in a rage and fury, he says to these men, is it true that you are not going to bow down to this image? You bet it's true. We're only going to bow down to the God of heaven, not to the image that you made. You, i got to love their answer. Verse 16, O king, we don't need to answer you in this matter. Why do we have to talk to you about this? We just want to worship the God of heaven. you got to love verse 17. They say this, Nebuchadnezzar, God is able to deliver us from the fire. And you want to know something? If he decides not to deliver us, we're out of here. I say amen to that. Listen, they were strong and they left their life in the hands of God. And it's like Job who said, though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. In Psalm 115, the psalmist wrote, but our God is in heaven and he's going to do whatever he pleases. Essentially, this is what they are saying to Nebuchadnezzar. God's going to do whatever he pleases. With this, all this as the backdrop, what do you say we get some takeaways before we go home? All right? This won't take too long. It's all, I, I can see the look on some of your faces. Only three more hours will be done. Barbecue beer. It's only take a few minutes. You ready? Here's one takeaway. Recognize that God's plan might be different from your desires. Um, these men recognize that God's plan might be different from their desires. They're saying, Nebuchadnezzar, God is able. But if he doesn't, we are good with that. We have our desires. We have our dreams. And sometimes God says, it's not going to happen that way. Sometimes those things can really grind on us. Listen, it's going to be okay, all right? God is sovereign. As we work through these final takeaways, 
Uh, let's read the rest of this as we look at this last thing. Uh, these men are being saved from the king of this world. Amen? Look at this, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar is full of fury, and the expression of his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and he commanded that they heat up the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. That is hot! The number of seven in the Bible is the number of completions. Turn this thing up as hot as it can possibly get. That's really, really hot. He commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind them and cast them into the furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ah, that's great. Um, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast in three men into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, True, O king. Well, look, I see four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire. They're having a party in there. And they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth one is like the Son of God. Houston, I think we have a problem. Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, I mean, you just got to love this whole scene. This is the king of Babylon, one of the greatest kings of the entire world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's changing his tune. Come out and come here. And then they came out from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, the administrators, governors, uh, king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head wasn't singed, nor their garments, and the smell of fire was none. That is remarkable. I barbecue something. My hair gets singed on my hands, my head. So you, ever, you ever do that? And sometimes you look and your, uh, your, your beard's kind of got a little bit melted and you smell. You're, 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 you're just, your clothes stink like barbecue and none of that stuff. This is truly amazing. Another takeaway, God is sovereign whether the result of your obedience is triumph or tragedy. Um, when things go well for us, it's easy to acknowledge God's sovereignty, but when the bottom drops out, we often wonder, is God in control? The fact is, God will still have absolute control. He's still absolutely sovereign. If Shadrach, Meshach, again, Abednego, they were burned up in the fire. Throughout the centuries, people have died in their faith in Christ. Um, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, then you're dead. You're going to be burned at the stake. Uh, ISIS, remember when ISIS was going around killing anybody that said they were a believer in Christ? So God is still sovereign. It doesn't take away his sovereignty, but here is God is still proving his point for whatever reason. He saved these three men. Third takeaway, trials usually remove the things that hold us back. You know the only thing that burned off of them? The ropes. That was it. It's the only thing that burned off. Their hair is singed, their clothes don't stink. But the things that bound them was the only thing that, that burned off of them. That's a reminder for you and I. We go through trials, we go through difficulties. Listen, we know how this rolls, right? Been a Christian for a while. What happens when you go through a trial? God gets your attention, and you start to repent of things you didn't even know you did, right? Oh, God, I've changed. You, know, you kind of go through that, don't you? 
And so we all do that. And, and, and those, those trials, they tend to make us more right with the Lord. As Peter wrote, the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we look at this and we think, the one like the Son of Man is in there in the fire with these three men. I, I still love the fact they didn't even burn. I mean, they didn't even smell bad. I, barbed, I smoked my chicken yesterday. I smelled like it. But the chicken smelled really good. Last takeaway. Um, the Lord may not keep us from the fire, but he won't put us in the fire unless he is with us. What really shined on uh, this day wasn't so much the um, statue, although it was shimmering, right? It wasn't so much the statue. What was really shining was their faith. The Lord is with us in the midst of trials. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, we're reminded, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I love this. This is from David Jeremiah's book, um, uh, The Handwriting on the Wall. And uh, regarding this section, he said, uh, these three men, they had a word from God, and that's all they needed. The path of duty was plain. They didn't have to think about it or have a committee meeting. What an example. This is what this world is crying for. Men and women, boys and girls, who have conviction of heart and who do not change their convictions on the basis of their circumstances. These three men knew what God wanted them to do, and they weren't afraid of the consequences. Then he went on and wrote this. Stutter Kennedy was a chaplain during World War II. He was often thrust into the front lines of battle, ministering in places of danger to his life. One day, as he was going through France, he wrote a letter to his son, who was about 10 years old. This is what he wrote to his son. The first prayer I want my son to learn to say for me is not, God, keep daddy safe, but God, make daddy brave. If he has hard things to do, make him strong to do them. Son, life and death don't matter, but right and wrong do. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daddy dead is daddy still, but daddy dishonored before God is something too awful for words. And then he says this, I suppose you would like to put in a bit about my safety, and mother would like that too, I'm sure, well, put it in afterwards, for it really doesn't matter nearly as much as doing what is right. Make daddy brave. Uh, what, God, what this world needs is men and women, boys and girls, who are willing, no matter what the circumstances are, to say, you know what, I'm going to press forward. You and I are watching this whole thing wind down. And there's more and more pressure against you if you have a Christian voice, if you're trusting the Bible to not conform to the Bible, but to conform to this narrative of everything that's going. Let me say this too, I know it might give some people uh, bugged, um, but uh, many of you know who Kanye West is, right? I've been watching him recently. He says he's a, a follower of Jesus, and he's been having these massive preaching meetings. I don't know what he said in his meetings. I haven't followed those things, but I have found this. He's saying things that are similar to what I'm saying. I'm using the Bible. I don't know what he's using. He might be using the Bible. But I'm finding out he's saying things. Look, there's government problems. There's these, all this, this stuff that you see. And, and, and you look at that, 
you and I are watching it. Maybe God is using Kanye West to wake up much of the world. I don't know. But I look and I find it fascinating just to watch that happen coming out of the entertainment industry and then seeing what we can tell by reading our Bibles. And if Kanye West is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. But I look at these things, I, again, I don't know. So people out there on the internet might be really mad at me because, I don't know, maybe he said something that wasn't uh, theologically correct. That I don't know. But I do know that he sees something that I see by reading my Bible. There's problems coming. Uh, we, we see that what's happening with the government. We see all these crazy things. We need to be made brave. We need to stand strong. We need to do what is right. This concludes Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him. And they have bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. I mean, look at this. This is crazy. I mean, he goes from burning everybody that doesn't worship the image to cut them in pieces if you don't. I mean, look, this guy's nuts. Cut them in pieces. Their houses shall be made in ash heap because there's no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow! That's an amazing story. But when we put all of these things together, what do we remember? We know this. Jesus said, as we just look at the world events, we can look back at Daniel, project where we are going now. When you see these things begin to happen, uh, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Amen? Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.